Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the Tinkerman podcast. This is your host Joe Tweed and we are back from a brief hiatus. Um, I guess looking towards the end of the season with, I don't know if it's glee or whether it's a, a mixture of, of relief, um, but certainly looking towards the, the end of the season now. I think the the retrospective or sort of the moratorium on the Graham Potter era podcast will come probably at, at a much later date. Um, but for the time being, I think what we're looking to do here is to try and take some positives or try and look at the, the future in a slightly more positive light than what we've seen so far. Um, I think many long-time listeners will know that my my dear uh, co-host has departed for Pastures New to go and work uh, in, in football. Um, but I'm delighted and, and very, very uh, pleased to announce sort of a, a new co-host uh, in, in many respects. And I think somebody who listeners are going to enjoy both in terms of his experience, in terms of his insight, in terms of his opinions. Um, probably familiar if you are, I guess, on, on social media, um, certainly in the last couple of weeks or so, his detailed analysis via threads has just kind of blown pretty much everything out of the water in terms of quality and, and insight. So I'm very, very pleased, and I think we we may be looking at changing the name of the, of the podcast a tiny bit in the future to letting commend just to acknowledge the uh, the nationality of my new co-host here. But Sebastian Chapuis, who yes. is uh, a coach, national level coach in France, TV analyst, general analyst, pretty much probably, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, one of the most knowledgeable people that I speak to probably quite regularly in terms of WhatsApp and stuff like that in terms of football. Um, maybe the best eye of French talent I've come across in terms of picking out players probably four or five years before a major transfer. So I'm giving him a little bit of a, a build up here, but uh, certainly warranted. And I think you guys will will, will definitely enjoy the conversation that, that Seb and I are going to have. So Seb, do you want to do you want to introduce yourself to the, the Tinkerman fans and then we can get oh. into the Real Madrid piece? Yeah. Hello, everyone. Uh, so I'm Seb, I'm French. Uh, I'm humbled with uh, the nice compliments. Uh I'm I'm going to try, as you said, to to provide uh, some kind of insight uh, at crossroads between uh, coaching, analysis, and maybe trying to figure out the difference between uh, what the players can do and how they can fit into collective setups. Um, I usually try to to stay uh, uh, near the point and make it accessible because, of course, it's my second language. So so uh, sometimes my pronunciation pronunciation sorry is not is not great but uh, i try to stick to the point not use too much uh, too many buzzwords and uh, try to make it uh, r- really accessible for for everyone uh, you don't need to be a coach or a super super deep analyst to 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 get uh, to get a point out of a football game so uh, yeah trying to to make sense out of uh, what uh, we've been able to see for Chelsea this season and uh, and I'm glad to have the opportunity. So I, I'd like to to thank uh, as well the, the London East Blue guys, uh, and I hope we will going to to create good moments together. Yeah, and, and I think uh, one of the the fascinating things about this this season, Seb, is the I guess the Real Madrid game, but I, I guess this episode in general is is a focus a tiny bit on the Madrid game because I think it's probably little bit of a microcosm sort of an analogy of, of Chelsea's season in many respects and I think probably the second half of this focus a little bit more on the future you know what we want to see from the remaining you know games we have this season in the league um what sort of players are, are we looking to sort of keep around for next season and I guess in terms of the profile and, and the direction of the club like what what do Chelsea need to do in terms of the personnel that we have to to sort of take that step back towards being a, a team who are not sort of mired in, in the middle of the table so 
I think we'll start with the Real Madrid game, Seb. Um, yeah. I think Lampard got a little bit of criticism for his post-match comments saying that Chelsea were kind of in the game for, for 60 minutes or so. Um, I do tend to agree a little bit. I think we did trouble them. I'm not so much sure if that's because they were playing within themselves or I think that they were maybe trying to play a little bit on the counter-attack. But I guess in terms of the the team selection, in terms of the the way that Chelsea approached that game, it was a little bit kind of, I guess, do or die. You're two goals down. You needed to sort of, I guess, push the push the pace. You needed to try and get the early goal. I think the game maybe turned a little bit on it. Might have been the Kante missed chance in the first yeah. half. If that had gone in, that could have been a little bit of a, a difference maker. But I guess that is probably the, the story of Chelsea's season is not capitalising on important moments when we have the opportunity to to get the sort of goal that brings us back into the tie. Um, obviously, Madrid then sort of go and, and, and kill the game, essentially, or kill the tie. What was your assessment of the, the team selection? I saw that it was a little bit, I guess, debated on, on Twitter in terms of the yeah. team selection. Um, and what was your, your assessment of the approach? Yeah, I, I thought the, the game plan was um, original, but uh, Mary's sp- spot on because um, we, we have seen a lot of different features and uh, approaches this season. Uh, I think we are short in finishing ability within the squad, so we can create chances and not yeah. finish them. It's not about luck, bad luck, or bad spell or whatever. Uh, we lack that clinical, clinical edge. So I think it was a good idea to, to go slightly differently, maybe more uh, like Lampard likes to play, which is uh, with a lot of intensity, a lot of pressing and uh, energy. Um, in terms of strategy and delivery of the game plan, it was good. Uh, the idea was to, to, to block uh, Real Madrid to play out. Uh, they usually have Tony Kroos and uh, Modric uh, dropping out uh, to, to pick up the ball. So we had uh, Avers, Gallagher, Kante closing them down. And after that, the, the marking and the marking duties between Fofana, Enzo, James, Kukurela, Chaloba was pretty good uh, to, to take care uh, of wingers and uh, Benzema dropping off the front. So, so it was good. And I think we created not clear chances, but out of turnovers with a good pressing bursts and spells, uh, we created maybe three, four chances. Uh, maybe if we were in a good day, uh, we could have created some doubt for Madrid if we were able to score for the first chance, maybe, or maybe go one up at halftime, but uh, uh, we came up short. Uh, but I think the, the game plan was good. Uh, we had half chances. Uh, and they took them there, but uh, but uh, otherwise it was it was it was fine. And I think I guess it was a good thing not to have a Chelsea just laid out in four two three one uh, box standard team we've seen uh, a dozen times this season and get yeah. uh, uh, played off the park. Yeah, yeah, I think certainly I think as you say there potentially that that sort of defining moment was the the sort of Kante miss. I mean again I'm I'm not really putting too much pressure on him in terms of, you know, the games he's played this season, coming back, et cetera. That's not necessarily something on him there. But I think for for large parts of the game, it felt that we, I don't know if this is probably something that extends across a number of years now, so I don't know what your opinion is on this, but we we seem to be fantastic at sort of sterile possession. You know, we, we're good at sort of recycling and keeping the ball and sort of shifting from from left to right. But we, we, def- we never really seem to 
either stretch teams horizontally, we don't stretch them enough, but you're creating that sort of two or three meters of space to sort of capitalize in, in, in those gaps, or we don't really have the capacity to stretch teams vertically when we're not really stretching them in, in any dimension. And it felt like for large parts of the game, even though we sort of had the ball and we were kind of moving it quite nicely at you know sort of decent pace compared to what we've seen this season, we never really seemed to threaten, even with you know, Enzo's kind of passing ability and vision. We didn't really seem to have that sort of cutting edge. Is there is there a general trend in this Chelsea team that we we just sort of lack really any kind of incisiveness, or or is it sort of a, a I guess around the the risk acceptance? So are, are we averse to, to playing a you know a punchy pass between the lines? Are we are we just averse to doing that? It seems like it's it's sort of an ongoing trend that teams are very happy for us to play in front of. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. I think there's two different things about that. Um, the first thing is about the coaching and the second thing is about the profiles. Um, we've discussed a lot of times the midfield composition at Chelsea. Yeah. I think Chelsea has been some kind of benchmark over the years for signing absolute specimens in midfield. Um, I would stretch to say uh, maybe role-defining players uh, such as uh, SEN, Matic, Fabregas, uh, possibly Enzo now. Um, they are players because everyone speaks about uh, small technical players and playing small ball. But in fact, the distance between players, if you have Fabregas or Enzo, you can join and connect players uh, even far uh, on the pitch, on the width, on yeah. the depths in behind uh, defenses. So it's the first thing. I think in midfield, We've had some brilliant technicians, uh, such as uh, Jorginho Kovacic, uh, but unable to, to defend or maybe deliver end product to, to turn that position into something significant. Uh, the shooting from range is uh, not disgraceful, but uh, since, uh, since I, I think it, it was fine when we had Matic and Fabregas because they had the clear skill set uh, in terms of creation and ball carrying and ball recoveries. But We've stopped scoring goals from midfield uh, pretty much since uh, since Lampard uh, went. Yeah. Uh, I think it was fine when Ramirez uh, had six, eight goals per season, but it was on top of Lampard and uh, other players like that. And I think the second point would be the coaching and uh, in terms of how rigid it is. Uh, it was very rigid under Sarri, under Conte. Um, maybe under Lampard, he had the same intent to, to make game games a bit end-to-end -end and uh, very open, but he had different profiles to fit into the team. Um, you had players who had who required to, to have uh, options around them, and you had players uh, eager to bomb on, such as uh, Gallagher, of course, and uh, and Mount and uh, Willian. And so, and I think one of the issues, we are not going to, to go in depth on that uh, today, but... Uh, uh, with Potters, the main issue was the amount of players we had in front of the ball as opposed as between the line or behind the defensive line. And I thought against Real Madrid, we were quite good at um, pinning the Madrid midfielders uh, with uh, Conte and Gallagher. Yeah. So they were very high, very narrow, and we could spread the ball right and left, and they couldn't double team on James or Cucuela. So I think the, the staggering, if uh, yeah, the, the fact we had enough people to build up, not too much, uh, but just about enough to to create problems and uh, move the ball around, 
And I thought we, we were able to, as you mentioned, I think Ancelotti and Real Madrid know how to soak up pressure and sit yeah. deep and, and accept that uh, they are going to have a, a rough time away from home in the quarterfinal. It's fine. But I thought the, the movements, the energy, the intent in possession was really good from us. And not just because Real Madrid decided to, to sit off. Yeah, I, I completely concur with that. And I think, again, as you say, the the team selection was was quite, well, I mean, to be fair, in, in terms of Twitter, it's not exactly a benchmark for, for high quality uh, crowdsourcing of analysis these days, but it, it seemed to be fairly widely, not widely panned, but there was, there was definitely some some criticism from from vocal parts of, of Twitter in terms of the team selection there. Um, it felt, I think, as you're saying that, it felt very much, particularly the selection of Gallagher, felt like there was a really, I guess, just almost trying to out-energy them in midfield. That There's only so much you can do to get near, probably arguably, two of the, the best midfield combination in European football for the past number of years. And if you chuck in the Casemiro, probably the best trio in terms of, of, of midfield and, and especially big game performances as well. All right. I have to interrupt Joe real quick. Say thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. We will be right back with the Tinkerman. Are you missing out on your favorite shows because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce you to NordVPN. If you're bored of the US Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus servers, no show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan with one month free. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk to you with our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check it out. My link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. I think a question that I I've, I kind of wanted to ask you in, in this is a little bit more of, I guess, uh, a sort of psychological question. So I guess tapping into coaching experience you've had and, and in certainly in other roles within the game. Is there an element that this Chelsea team are, I guess, too... I don't want to say immature. That's not probably the right word, but maybe they lack they lack that sort of big game experience in terms of how to how to deal with those kind of momentum changes. It felt that when Madrid had their their sort of small openings, that there was almost like a certainty that a Benzema or or a Vinicius Junior, in it, I guess in this case, um, someone like a, a Rodrigo or, or, or whoever is going to sort of pop up with a decisive moment. With Chelsea, I think you look at the team at times and. You know there is a there is an immaturity. There's an inexperience in these big moments. Which you, we, you're looking back at the best Chelsea teams, teams that have won um, sort of trophies and have won big games, and and you've always got that sort of core of of experience in there. Is is there an element that that this team is a little bit naive in in these big games, or or do you think it's it's a little bit more, I guess, fundamental in terms of the the players' ability, or is it, I guess, a mixture of, of both of them? I think it's it's a it's a weird one because, of course, we don't have any more the. the... The, the Chelsea of the mid 2000s and the, the captain of England, of Ukraine, of Ivory Coast and Ghana, etc. But if you look at the team in isolation, you have 20, 22 players, 20 years old players, 
Benoît Badiachi has been playing top flight football for five seasons. He was playing relegation for Monaco. Uh, Wesley Fofana, he, he managed to, to stay up with, with Saint-Etienne at 18-19. You've got Ruiz James and Chaloba who've got uh, successful loans at uh, 18-19-20. Enzo is, of course, a world champion at 21 after barely 100 pro games. Uh, Kaya Verts uh, has been playing with some sort of expectation uh, for maybe a good three, four, five years. So it's, it's interesting to, to, to ask that question because in isolation, you won't find a lot of 22 years old players with more experience and sometimes difficult experiences. And I think maybe um, having a structure uh, in terms of organization on the pitch could help. Uh, that's not going to turn people like Kovacic or uh, maybe Kepa or people like that into vocal leaders. Um, they have ended up with a captain armband at times, but uh, they are not um, the, the, the vocal leader able to, to take instructions and uh, reorganize, reorganize on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, Kovacic is a great player, of course, uh, but he's also all over the pitch uh, when he attacks, when he defends. There's a lot of things he does. Uh, sometimes he's good, sometimes he's yeah. So it's it's not really the reference points you can you can rely on. So I think mentally there's a lot of quality in in that squad, and I think maybe we need to add a little bit of leadership on the pitch. But leadership is not just about the players; it's also the the empowerment of uh, how much managers are willing to. Yeah. and out responsibility and to be honest even if Lampard's first tenure had flaws in terms of uh, <clears throat> tactical game plans maybe injuries maybe maybe other factors but one thing we, we can't take away from from his first spell is the willingness to to empower people uh, and play a young team and uh, let attackers take decision and if you look I know it's it's not a popular perspective but uh, uh, Pulisic and Werner were not playing worse under Lampard than they were under Tuchel. Uh, Tuchel was very directive and very vertical in terms of management. He was very demanding as well, uh, but he didn't leave a lot of room to, to improve, to, to create, to improvise in final third. Um, and I think the, the next choice of manager, we're going to, to cover that later in the pod, but uh, uh, it's going to be a, uh, an interesting one because it's a young team being built and we need to find the right mix between um, really open tactical setups or maybe something more conventional, traditional, but maybe more restrictive in terms of uh, decision-making. But you, you can't expect players to, to have character and show that on the pitch if the framework is uh, absolutely rigid and... Uh, and uh, doesn't allow room for creativity or errors. Yeah, that uh, the point about the framework is is really interesting there because I I think we've probably at Chelsea over the years and certainly recently in the past five six years or something seen the two extremes. I want to say the two extremes, but certainly an extreme variance from sort of the Conte, Sari kind of you know sort of set positional play kind of rotations and 
you know, set ball movement patterns and aut- automations and all this sort of stuff that, that was coming out at the time, you know, in terms of where players are moving. And I guess in some capacities you get Victor Moses turning into, you know, sort of peak Cafu yeah. for a single season yeah. because he's he's being completely, you know, his his athletic qualities and his you know his power and his his, his sort of end end product are being harnessed in a way where he's he's not got to not got to think as much in terms of what his actions are and then you know completely and utterly elevated him to a guy who was a, an integral part of a title. And then I think as you're saying again in terms of the the flip side of that at the moment Chelsea have got a lot of young talented um sort of attacking talent and I guess even sort of in terms of midfield areas and, and wing backs who probably need or have needed um a bit more a bit more freedom a bit more um I, I guess ability to sort of play what they see in front of them and it's it's almost trying to find that sort of happy balance between you know giving them the kind of the I guess the structure to potentially progress the ball up the pitch in a nice neat fashion and to present situations where you've got Reese James in space or or whoever else in space on the on the opposite opposite side but obviously creating those dangerous moments for your most you know your most effective attackers but then I think the the kind of the, the end point of that has been recently is that actually well to to do that completely and utterly sort of limits and and, and maybe stunts uh, the rest of the team in those attacking areas. So I think how how would you I guess look at this sort of squad? I mean we're, we're stepping into sort of a little bit of the second half of the pod here now, but looking at this squad, what what would your assessment be in terms of the way that these players need to be coached? Do they need that sort of strong tactical, you know, almost kind of chess piece style coaching where, you know, in, in this area of the pitch, you move to quadrant one B or whatever the sort of stupid terminology yeah. is, um, you know, versus, you know, giving players or as you say, empowering players is a better choice of word, empowering them to, to actually make decisions, to move naturally, to, to sort of play the game and, and how they see it. Is there like a happy medium? What, what's, what's your take on the, the coaching style there? Yeah, I think it's, it's more a question of balance, but not in terms of, indeed approach between managers but in terms of the pitch itself there's a kind of gradient uh, between the the early build-up and the final third i think it's good to have uh, mechanisms to bring the ball out so so just to just to be clear if you if you go the route of conte and sari uh, it's about uh, a fixed playbook uh, play a play b play c play d and every pass is repeated uh, until exhaustion, of course. Um, Tuchel was really creative with that. Um, he used to offer two or three options uh, for players to play out and pick out the best one. So in terms of build-up, it's there's a lot of method to uh, there's a lot of way to 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 build up play. Uh, it's much more about final third. How much responsibility yeah. are you willing to to give? Um, there's there's going to be uh, pragmatic managers. Mourinho used to 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 not have centre backs driving with the ball. It was uh, uh, sliding it to the midfielders, um, get the ball up the pitch, and uh, retain it in final third. Uh, but I think the the question is um, having some kind of framework and mechanisms. In terms of, uh, are you willing to have uh, midfielders uh, dropping off uh, between the line, uh, uh, rolling out uh, as a makeshift fullbacks to to play the ball out? There's uh, several options to to do that, but uh, the most important thing is uh, when you reach final third, uh, what is going to happen? And there's 
I think it's an interesting point because you are across the subject of uh, tactics, of course, player quality and management. So you, you can't have uh, super good players um, executing movements just because the coach wants it. Yeah. Uh, of course, you're going to have players going where they want the ball most to impact the game. And I think Tuchel, who is a brilliant, brilliant tactician and coach, I believe, but there's a, a line he crosses because he needs super good players to do the, the movements in final third, uh, namely the rotations, because he, he wants um, a player to run at the corner flag um, in order for another to, to show up in space, etc. So, of course, uh, Avertz and Werner was perfect for that. So, so they were willing to do the movements he asked, uh, go to the channel, go around the fullback, go to the, the, the corner flag so that another players could pop in. But the, the, limit, the limitation, of course, uh, is that uh, Werner is willing to, to do that run, but he's not going to score a lot of goals. So yeah. are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah, but are you willing to sacrifice uh, your, your principle and your way to move the ball in final third to accommodate better players? Because you can't have Romelu Lukaku who scored 250 goals in his career. You can't have him running at the corner flag to create space for Shilwell or for Avers or for whoever else is going to wait at the penalty spot and wait for the cutback, wait for the, the near post cross. Um, so, so you need to figure out a way to create movement in final third, but feed the best player we have in the squad and maybe not uh, go to the route um, to hold shoes that was uh, feeding the best option available if it's Marcos Alonso it's Alonso it's a chill well it's chill well it's avert it's avert if it's a cutback it's cutback um, but we, we need to I think address some of the key positions and center forward is uh, obviously the, the, the main the main point we need to address because if we don't have someone who is able to hold the, the ball up, run the channel, bring yeah. people into play and score goals, uh, we are not going to, to, to go anywhere. We can't, we can't last one more season with a project player up front uh, because obviously uh, Avers is a good player, but he's not a nine. He's good off a striker. He needs someone to pin the defensive line to run the channel and to have the ball into fit. So the first thing is to address the, the, the situation. Um, maybe we'll go into more detail after that, but uh, the Lukaku question is going to be put on the table. I think we, we could try to look at making it work here, but uh, there's going to have uh, discussions at the club. Uh, can you keep him? Uh, can, you, can you offload the contract he signed? And who's going to be able to, to afford his wages and, and whatever? And, as for Lukaku, I don't think it's it's a good idea to 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 loan him out, um, eating half of the, his his wage. Uh, he better plays at is better at Chelsea than on loan with Chelsea picking up fifty uh, percent of the wage. It makes no sense. So maybe we are going to keep Lukaku. Maybe we are going to look elsewhere. But. Uh, we need to address that. We have a lot of interesting attackers, uh, Budrick, uh, Sterling, Madweke, and Kunku, Mount. But if you are going to play them alone up front, uh, it's not going to work. They are going to be criticized for not being able to hold the ball up against uh, uh, 
uh, juggernaut defenders. So, so yeah, it's, I, I think the key priority in Final Sword for us is maybe empower people to make decisions, but provide them with a, with a, with a center forward who can pin the defense and, uh, and, uh, yeah, and, and uh, make defenders afraid to have someone out-muscle them, out-run them, out-jump, uh, which hasn't been the case for, for two or three years, maybe since uh, Tammy Abraham left. Yeah, I, I think what you're saying, Seb, is that we need to go back to LA, LA Lay Blue and, and go and grab a sort of 23-year-old Olivier Giroud. Yeah. <laughs> Probably be ideal in this situation. I think just to, just to sort of finalise this point here, and I think while you were while you were speaking, one of my massive bugbears, and, and certainly I, I know coaches and analysts who I speak to about this, there is this sort of, I guess, pseudo-intellectual kind of point made on Twitter that uh, what Chelsea need is a coach who can coach, and I, I'm quoting and doing air quotes here just for the benefit of the listener, uh, a coach who can coach final third patterns to ensure that Chelsea can uh, can, can unlock defences and, and score goals. And I think certainly, some, I know something that you've echoed and, and pretty much any coach that I speak to actually, that it's, it's not necessarily about having a a predefined set of passing patterns because teams pick them up very, very quickly these days in terms of the analysis. You know, if you're, if you've got a set play that I think that, you know, the Arteta, you know, where sort of the winger kind of shapes inside and receives the ball kind of running infield thing that has been kind of highlighted a number of times. Our teams yeah. are now starting to, to push their DM a little bit wider to stop that sort of inside run. And, and you're starting to see the effect of that in some of their latter games. Um, teams teams identify patterns, they identify moves, they identify particularly repeatable actions. You know, it's what the data shows, it's what video analysis shows. So I think, I guess, just a, a small point to, to sort of round off the section that, you know, people who are asking or looking at coaches and looking at how they coach final third patterns, a lot of the time, you know, if you, I, I remember people saying, you know, sorry, you had, had unlocked Eden Hazard when actually Hazard, I think even in an interview said that he kind of ignored sorry yeah. and just sort of did yeah. his own thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess my, my point, and I probably just to, to get an opinion on, is that concept of, of patterns in the final third. It, you want, I think, as you say, you want framework, you want to give them almost sort of a, a series of, of options potentially or, or, or triggers or whatever it might be to create overloads, to create those, those sort of situations where your better players are getting in the positions that you know that they're dangerous, but you're not necessarily coaching a team to sort of have these four or five kind of set plays across the, you know, across sort of the, the, the penalty area, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think in some, in terms of delivery, uh, there's no general rule. There's the player quality is going to dictate a lot of choices yeah. and you can't apply the same rule with young and average players than Maybe more experienced players and uh, and um, and quality players and the, the football is football and the, the goalposts don't move. The best players are going to to show for the ball and they, they want to to be creative, to to dribble, to take on people. So you can't have simultan uh, at the same time. You can't have the, the quality. You can't have Neymar or Mbappé and with their sheer ability to dribble to outpace opponents. And you can't decide for themselves because they believe their framework is better than yours. Uh, Azar is, is going to play the game as he sees it, yeah. uh, as you mentioned. Uh, so, so you can't have both ways. You can't have the quality players and decide for himself. You, you need to provide a framework when you have average, player, average players who can't uh, 
um, analyze and pick out options in around them. Uh, you need to help them. Okay, you get the ball, you, you find the nine, it's going to lay off, you're going to run in behind, you, you, you start from here, you run from there. But you can't expect a top players uh, to, 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 do, uh, to do what you want. So um, final sort patterns, if you, are, if you are going to drill final sort patterns, either you are going to look for uh, just above average attackers who are going to do just as told, Uh, maybe someone like Leon Bailey at uh, Aston Villa, uh, run from there to there, uh, cut, the, cut the cross and, uh, and that's it. Uh, but if you are going to, to look for very good uh, attackers, uh, they are not going to be told uh, do this, do that. So it's a matter of balance and you can't have, uh, I wouldn't give specific examples, but uh, you can't have managers recently deciding they are going to do without players because it wouldn't fit into their approach in attack and end up uh, with the situation we have now uh, without a goal scoring forward and without uh, uh, attackers uh, able to make decisions. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, pretty, pretty much exactly why I'm landing on that as well. All right, I got to interrupt Joe real quick to say that we're going to jump to an ad break in a second. This is a great episode. It's split into two parts. You'll learn later. Um, so we'll get another one tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I got I to gotta throw in some ad breaks. Joe gets deep into it, as always, bringing the knowledge, never failing us, the Tinkerman himself. We'll be back in just a sec. Thanks to our sponsors. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish that you could handpick the best stars for your business team? Look, if you're building a talented roster, you need Indeed. Stop spending hours on multiple job sites finding the perfect candidate for the position because, look, Indeed has all of the tools you need in one place to hire at warp speed. Sponsor a job, and they're going to match you with the quality candidates whose resumes fit the job description that you post right away. Helps you start hiring fast. And look, Indeed knows that you're growing your business. You have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I guess moving into the, the sort of second half of this now, Seb, but we're looking... I don't want to say salvage a season because, I mean, that sort of implies that there's something to pay for. But, you know, I think we're, we're looking now uh, forward in terms of what is, I guess, required or what, what you would like to see over the course of, of this season now. And I think we'll probably go almost position by position as well in terms yeah. of players that we're, we're looking at who maybe aren't, aren't necessarily going to be part of this, this sort of restructuring. So, you know... I think we can talk about the pitfalls of having a 10,000 man squad and having to sort of, you know, extend a cobble yeah. to the size of a small town to accommodate all sort of the players and that sort of stuff. I think that's, that's probably been done to death, but I think looking at the the players here first and foremost. But I think before, before jumping to, to the players, I think there's two points we, we would need to address first. Um, the first thing, of course, we have 10 games left approximately. Um, I think we are going to cover that uh, on the future Potter podcast, of course, but uh, we are really off the mark physically. So in terms of uh, yeah. condi conditioning, it's not a recent issue. It's not just a precision issue. Uh, we have been maybe lagging in that department since maybe the end of the calendar year, 2021. 
So when we started drawing games and etc., uh, we have been off the mark physically. Um, we have had a difficult preseason. We were off the mark. We had a lot of injuries. Of course, Tuchel departed the club. Um, at first, when Potter came in, he inherited the, the squad uh, trained under Tuchel when we played every, every three games. But from the point uh, Potter had really hands-on to, to, to do his job, uh, one game per week, and of course, the, the World Cup break, and uh, of course, after that, uh, the, the months of January, January, where we played mostly in London, um, we haven't seen any improvement in terms of conditioning uh, during games. And I think it's maybe the, the, the point that, that people are keen to overlook, is that if you players can't run, you can't speak about tactics, organization, whatever. Yeah, it's the basics. Uh, we are going to phase out in games uh, and bring on people uh, 20 minutes from time. And so, so the main issue is that. So in terms of options looking forward, we need to get back to a semblance of uh, good enough fitness levels. So I'm a bit concerned that there's not enough time to work on that and still a lot of game to play. So that would be the first thing. Uh, we can't expect uh, Lampard to go out and say we are going to press I to, to retain the ball to whatever. We can't at the moment. Uh, the Real Madrid game was a good indication in that direction. But as you said, uh, the plan was to outrun uh, them with Gallagher, with Kante, with, uh, with, uh, with Kovacic. Uh, we, we've put our best athletes on the pitch uh, to try to outrun them. But... Uh, we need to get back to a semblance of fitness. And from that point, players will look better in isolation and as a team will look more cohesive and better overall. Uh, and the second thing, I, I think, uh, we can't expect Lampard to come in and to implement a, a game model, a playing style or whatever. And I think the, the, the thing is really, really good at is uh, to try to find the best position for the players, um, just like Harry Redknapp used to do. Uh, Lampard sees a player is going to use him in the optimal use uh, for him uh, we saw that with uh, Timo Werner at first it was in between the wing and the center forward, Avert in midfield etc so the, the, the takeaway point from Lampard's interim charge will be to look at how he sees players what he sees in them and we've had a couple of examples so far of um, how to use them maybe in the better position, a better role um, than they have been so far. The strength and conditioning point is, I know one that you've you've made a number of times. I think it's it's incredibly important, actually. I think you're, you're super, I think really, really, yeah, really important to bring up at the moment. I think if you look at sort of comparisons across the league as well, I know that I've I've seen similar points from some Liverpool fans about sort of the general fitness levels of their team. And, you know, you think of them at their best, and it's that swarming midfield trio that sort of empower the attack and then the sort of marauding fullbacks. And you've obviously got two of, again, probably in Van Dijk pre-injury and even sort of to extent now, you know, one of the most physically sort of talented yeah. centre-backs that's been playing football forever, um, or certainly in, in the last sort of number of years as well. And I think, you know, you look at this Chelsea side, um, I remember sort of looking at it kind of early under Tuchel and then that change of mentality, that sort of swarm mentality, that sort of he brought in in terms of the pressing and, and sort of the counter pressing and just the amount that we've been running games 
I think there's an element as well, Seb, and again, I'd love to get your perspective on this, that, you know, I think people often overlook how physically demanding the Premier League is. You know, obviously yeah. we're talking about a Champions League game here, but I think in general, in the Premier League, you, you rarely do you see teams who are competing for the title not have, you know, a, a number of, if not all, in their starting eleven, really physically gifted, fit, yeah. strong players. And I think people have, have maybe in this sort of pursuit of, of getting... I love that you called it small ball. I love that that term, the sort of small ball players in. We've kind of overlooked, I guess, a core component of what has made Chelsea great teams. We've always been physically yeah. dominant when we've been fantastic. So love to know, I guess, speak a little bit more about the, I guess, just that that conditioning, that strength aspect there. And, and I guess, have we have we just kind of ignored the 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 basics or the basic components of what has made a, a great Chelsea team in the past? Yeah, maybe in terms of profiling of players, yeah. uh, especially in midfield, we used to have absolute specimens, Lampard, Balak, Matic, uh, Essien, and people like that. Even Ramirez. Ramirez was incredible. He could run, cover. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of profiling, I think we've really missed the trick uh, in terms of midfield recomposition. Uh, Bakayoko, maybe let's not open the, the Bakayoko file, <laughs> but uh, he used to be a really, really dominant player. Uh, all, uh, all action midfielder, center midfield, uh, uh, it didn't work out. Uh, after that, of course, we had the transfer ban. Uh, we loaned in Kovacic, uh, who was an opportunity uh, with a Courtois transfer, but uh, I think it's, a, it's an area we, we didn't uh, strengthen enough uh, because of opportunity, because of choice, uh, we will never know uh, who decided against uh, pursuing uh, Chouamani last summer. Uh, of course, he's someone we mentioned together in uh, our chats uh, yeah. a number of times. But yeah, so someone like Denis Zakaria this season, it's unfortunate because he's not going to, to be extended here, but he... he, he is really the kind of player we should have signed maybe under Conte or, and should have been playing maybe 20, 20 games, 25 games a season for three or four years. Um, yeah, we, we, you need the, the right profiles to play the game and you need to maybe navigate through the, the, the smoke screen that the uh, top teams play with uh, small technical players. No, if you look at Manchester City for years, they always add specimens. Yeah. Uh, especially now, if you if you look at the team, they are going to outrun you, outmuscle you. Um, Fernandinho was incredible. Uh, even people like Bernardo Silva or David Silva, people believe they are small technical players. No, they were absolute units in terms of strength to get hold of the ball. You couldn't knock them off the ball, uh, running all game long to 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 find separation. So. Maybe sometimes people overlook that small player is going to be good because he's technical and whatever. No, the important thing is being able to run for long periods of times and uh, be able to stand off challenges and uh, and all that. But uh, it's only the, the first part. The, the first part is the profiling, of course, but the second part is how you're going to condition the team to run. Yeah. Uh, and if we look at the, the, the successful Chelsea teams uh, over the past decade, or over the past 20 years, we have three, four people in terms of conditioning. We had people employed at the club, uh, someone like Chris Jones, uh, who's back in uh, Lampard's uh, setup as of now. But he used to work 
with the first team and every coach we had uh, had two or three specific guys on his own yeah um, Conte had two 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 or three guys even Sari we we people liked people disliked Sari or his football but we could run for hours and we we won a, um, the Europa League final of course uh, we weren't lacking physically it was other limitation of course but um, physically we were there uh, I think the the, the the root of some of our problems was the fact that Tuchel when he joined he joined midway to the season he didn't bring his conditioning expert uh, which he had at uh, every club before joining uh, Chelsea and he bring he brought at uh, at Bayern Munich um, and maybe we were lacking because only relying on Chelsea people it's absolutely not about competence of Chelsea people who are ex who are competent people in, in terms of fitness and conditioning but when you're speaking about a playing approach you need to align the methodology in terms of yeah. conditioning and playing style uh, because the way you are going to deliver the practice Uh, the type of games, the profiling, we are going to play on the counter, we are going to play on the break, we are going to play this and that. You can adjust, but it's if, if there's a reason, there's a good reason why um, coaching staffs nowadays move uh, with coach, assistant coach, and conditioning, 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 and maybe analyst. And uh, but there's two or three people who know the methodology inside out in terms of uh, aligning what the manager wants and the, the, the practice that are going to be delivered. And if you are not completely aligned, you're going to have discrepancies such as uh, injuries uh, because you overtrain or undertrain players. Yeah. Or maybe the, the, the requirements in terms of game, uh, what the game demands is not what the player train in, uh, in training. Uh, it's not the same just to, to, to close on that. If you play a possession game, you are going to need short bursts of power and separation uh, and quick time to recover between actions. Yeah. And if you play on the counter, you need a long runs with speed and longer time to recover between two. It's maybe the, the rule of thumb uh, to navigate between the two. But if you train one way during the week and the game is too different on the weekend, you are going to have injuries. There's no other way around that. It's really so, interesting because, yeah. you know, I think what you're saying there is absolutely echoed by by Emma Hayes. You know, she, I think I, I saw her in an interview saying, ultimately, you know, the fitness of the players is down to me. Like I, I set the tactics, I set, I set the game model. Yeah. So ultimately, that needs to align. I think that's exactly what you're saying there. And yeah. you know, you look at Chelsea's injury record over the the sort of number of years. I think again, you're saying in terms of maybe the coaches we've had, obviously in terms of strength and conditioning, they are at a level because they work for a professional football club. They're not, you know, they're not just yeah. getting a guy off of the yeah. David Lloyd, you know, Jim, Jim Foran, who's a PT. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to your point, I, I don't think that that alignment has has necessarily happened. And I think it's it's obviously played out in, in a number of ways, but, you know, you've, we've got uh, just a, an incredible amount of, of injuries and, and fatigue within the squad as well. And I think that's, that's pretty fascinating. All right. Editor Jake here to say that's the end of part one. If you know Joe, if you know the Tinkerman, you know they're long ones. We got a two-parter, as often done. So this episode you're hearing right now, coming out today, obviously, you're listening to it. The next episode, tomorrow. So just check your feed tomorrow. You'll get another 
about 45 minutes, 50 minutes, maybe a little more, uh, going to the squad, the managers, and all that jazz. See you then.